This is the AusChina Business Channel with Stacey Martin, our AusChina Business Specialist and Expat Financial Advisor. Experts, information and ideas on how to navigate business opportunities in Asia. This is SME Radio, powered by Eagle Waves Radio and broadcasting from Vivo Cafe, Sydney. Welcome to SME Radio, Oz China Business Channel. I'm Stacey Martin, and I'm here in the studio today with CT Johnson. CT Johnson is the general manager of Basis Point, um, and I've had a long relationship with Basis Point. They are totally the guru of the China market in Australia. When David Chin, uh, founder of Basis Point, puts on a conference, everyone wants to be there to hear the latest thinking. So welcome. And to hear me. And of course to hear you, because you joined uh, CT in the last, what, six, 12 months? Yeah, about six business? months. Ago. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So prior to that, I was in China, moved here a couple of years ago, um, had a consulting business, and then David and I got together. So uh, now with Basis Point, we have a, it's a business information company, uh, a little bit like Bloomberg. We focus on the China-Australia business relationship, and that's a fascinating area in my life. Oh, look, and when I was in uh, Shanghai recently, I uh, mentioned uh, David's name to one of my connections, and you know he's very well known over there. He's got a real um, insight into high net worth in China, uh, business, and helping fund managers, property developers, a range of people in Australia kind of navigate that. Um, so what, what prompted you to join uh, Basis Point? Well, part of it is that David is, I mean, he really is an authority in the field. And it's interesting because David, when you meet him personally, like if you meet him at, at one of his events, very often people mistake him for a waiter, <laughs> right? Is that he's the guy who's serving drinks. And then you realize that, no, he's the brains behind it. And he kind of started it. And he has really, really in-depth knowledge about the topic and about the area. So he and I really share a passion around that, and that's how I, I hooked up with him. But your passion comes from the time that you've been working in China. So I understand you're working in Shenzhen uh, prior was. to coming to Australia. I was. I was. Uh, I had the the pleasure and the privilege of working for Huawei, who's one of the the biggest companies in China, and in fact the largest technology company there. Um, and I, I did a variety of different jobs for them uh, in finance, and I was a board member and a bunch of other things. But it was fantastic, and part of what was great about it was being inside of a Chinese company, a really super successful Chinese company. Not Ford Motor Company in China, or not a Chinese uh, uh, SOE, a state-owned organization, who's actually part of the government. This was, it was, you know, a guy who started off selling PBX systems uh, to hotels in rural China, right? Wow. And now, last year, they did 60 billion US in turnover. So they are, they're amazing. And getting to see that from the inside was just an absolute privilege for me. But, but they actually headhunted you to come over and work for them, which is pretty unusual, isn't it? They did. They um, So I was working for their main competitor uh, in the U.S. I was part of the U.S. Uh, uh, branch of Ericsson, which is a Swedish company. But um, they found out through various contacts, they found out that I speak Mandarin. Um, and I had done a number of things in capital markets and I had been, you know, done a little bit of press and things like that. So they were looking for a high profile-ish senior guy who spoke um, Mandarin and there's just not a lot of those guys knocking around in the West. So they came and found me and, and started a, what turned out to be a year-long process in negotiating a contract with them to go work in China. 
So negotiating with the Chinese, that's something that a lot of Australian businesses um, grapple with because often the start of the relationship, for them, that the contract's the start, whereas for, for, for Westerners, the, that's the terms of the deal, yeah. right? Yeah, that's the, you know, you spend all of your time as a Westerner negotiating and beating people up and I'm going to get this clause and this is going to be for me. And then, you know, frequently you have signing ceremonies, right? You'll have a, 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 a celebration, right? When you sign a contract and that's fantastic and everybody goes home and sleeps and whatever. That, but for the Chinese, no, 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 that's the beginning. Wow. Uh, you know, I talk about the fact that it's like a, a marriage, right? Is that the wedding is not the end of the discussions and the negotiations you have with your spouse. It is just the beginning of that and you have a lifetime of it. And that's how the Chinese view these uh, relationships. So that's where I've gone gone wrong. So, um, <laughs> but, but language, I mean, that's been a passion of yours, not just learning Mandarin, but, you know, you've worked in Russia. Tell us about uh, how you got the job in Russia and, you know, uh, what are some of the differences between the West, Russia, China? Uh, what a minefield. So actually, I have to tell you, you, the, the way that I ended up in Russia, talk about betting on the wrong horse. If you and I ever go to the races and I say, boy, you know, XYZ horse is a just a cert. It's a dead cert and we should bet on that. Absolutely do not listen to that. Bet on whatever is the last horse that I would tell you to do. And the reason I say that is because when I was going to university, Russia was the hot thing. And I looked around and I was good at languages and I said, you know, there's only kind of four major languages that I would consider focusing on. One of them is Japanese. Well, in the U.S., speaking Japanese, that's Coles to Newcastle. We literally have millions of people there who speak Japanese. Arabic, I wasn't interested in that part of the world. Russian or Chinese. So I thought, which one will develop faster economically? And I chose Russia. Wow. I mean, talk about yeah. betting on the yeah. wrong horse. Yeah. It was just so anyway, but, but that did take me to Russia for five years. And I uh, you know, it was a lot of interesting stuff there. Those guys have a very, very different view of the world. Um, you know, you've never seen corruption like you've seen in Russia. It's just uh, brought to a high art form and uh, lots of struggles there, right? I actually don't know any company that has made a profit in Russia. Wow, wow. <clears throat> so with um, your role in China, you must have learned a lot about negotiation, doing business with the Chinese, seeing it from inside the business. So. Australian company going to China. Take me through some of the experience you've, you've had with, you know, different type of meetings, what's happened and, you know, ha has it gone well? What are the different things that could have been done better? Yeah, well, one of the things that you get into in, in negotiating or, or in presenting or trying to sell something to the Chinese is, and, and it, whether you are there in China or whether it's Chinese folks who have come here that want to buy something, is we tend to bring our own cultural paradigm to it. And if you're a Western professional, financial, whatever person, you start talking about the your heavy level of experience and the great university you went to and the company you worked for that has a hundred years of tradition and all of that. And that falls on deaf ears for the Chinese. I was actually sitting, frequently they want to know more personal things and more direct things. So I was sitting in a meeting here in Sydney just a couple of days ago with a Chinese investor who's talking to an Australian group who is trying to get him to invest in something. And the Australian group is talking about their Australian financial services license and the credentials of all the people who work for them. And they have a very you know tall uh, office in a tall building that overlooks the Harbour Bridge, all of these things. And as they're sitting there presenting all of that stuff, the Chinese guy says to me in Chinese, says, 
do they realize that all of the documents they're presenting to me, all of the awards they're showing me and licenses and all that, I could go to Beijing and get falsified copies of exactly all of that stuff and bring it back. So this is not impressing me at all, what they're showing me. So they were completely missing the mark, even though that's exactly the right thing to have done with a Western or an Australian group. So having worked in financial services myself, you know, you have to show your financial services license and your authorities and capabilities. But working uh, directly with some Chinese investors, I found it was really tricky to sort of flip. How do you talk to them uh, and deliver in uh, their way while still meeting your local compliance requirements? Yeah. So um, for, for a case like that with Chinese investors coming out and they might be buying a building or a business, how should someone, you know, and, and this is really useful for, for people listening today, how should they conduct such a meeting? What, what should they expect? So there's a few things that they should do. So first of all, before you get to the meeting, you should start laying the groundwork. There is a saying in Chinese that is... Um, first friends, then business. You should establish that relationship. I always say about getting Chinese clients or getting Chinese investors that it's not a hurry up and wait situation. It's a wait and hurry up situation. You're going to spend some time. They want to know who you are. They want to get to know you. They want to understand that you're a trustworthy person. And that's going to take some time. For most Westerners, it's very frustrating because we want to get straight down to business. But I've showed you my license, but I've told you why I'm great and why my return is much higher than the next guy. And you just really want to get them to do stuff. And that's not how they work. So first of all, invest in the relationship. That's the first thing to do. The second thing is that when you start having that meeting, you need to be on the page of, look, these guys are fundamentally less sophisticated than we are. They, ha they tend to have less education. They have less exposure to the world is one thing. And the second thing is they come from an environment where being cheated is very, very common. So they want to be able to touch something. They want to be able to know that they're going to be able to call you in the middle of the night when they feel bad about the investment or the sale or the whatever you've given them. So you have to be thinking in those very simple, you know, straightforward terms about what can I give them to make them feel better about this. Wow. So there's a lot in there. So it's not for the faint-hearted dealing. Whilst there's a lot of opportunities, there's a lot to navigate. So it's been great uh, today listening to C.T. Johnson from General Manager Basis Point Capital, uh, talking about uh, just some insights from his knowledge having worked with global companies uh, in the Chinese market and uh, on how to do business. So if someone wants to get in touch with uh, UCT or you're, they're thinking about getting into China, what would be your recommendation? Go to uh, www.basispoint.com.au and you can find us there. Fantastic, look forward to seeing you there. Stacy, great talking to you. SME Radio is backed by the power of the SME Association and its 30,000 strong national membership. For more information on the association and to become a member, please go to www.smea.org.au. Thanks for listening to SME Radio. This is a shameless plug for an advertiser, sponsor or partner. If you want your business name here and to reach our more than 33,000 members right across Australia, then give us a call. You can reach us via the website smeradio.com.au. Thanks for listening.
welcome back to SME Radio, AusChina Business Channel. I'm Stacey Martin and I'm here in the studio with CT Johnson. Uh, CT is the general manager of Basis Point, which is a company that has heaps and heaps of information about China, uh, intelligence about the market, doing business and high net worth individuals. So uh, CT, welcome to the program. Great to be here, Stacey. Thanks. So CT, you uh, have written this book called Riding the Dragon, Managing Your Chinese Investors, Partners and Employees. So I'm looking here at the book. It's it's a bright red cover. Um, tell us about how you came to write the book. What kind of motivated you to do that? I'll tell you what it was. Is um, Before coming to Australia, I had worked for a large Chinese company called Huawei. It was just a giant Chinese multinational. And it was a tremendous privilege for me to work there. I learned tons of things, but it was incredibly painful in terms of the lessons that I learned while I was there and the things that I didn't know in terms of interacting with my Chinese colleagues and my bosses and, and my underlings as well. So one of the things I did while I was there was I started looking around for a resource that would help me and I actually didn't find anything that I thought was that useful. So whenever I left the, the company, I decided that I wanted to put something together myself so that it would be a resource for others who might be in that same position. Well, it's interesting you say looking around for a resource because as I understand, you've been a bit of a language guru. You've worked, you know a number of languages, you've worked in different countries, navigated culture. Um, no resources? Did you, 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 we must have already known quite a bit about the culture of China before you uh, took a role there. I did, or, or rather I thought I did. Right. You know, I knew some things at a very high level, but one of the things that I frequently would run up on is uh, I would um, not understand the importance of something, right? Like for instance, one of the things that was just an absolute revelation to me, the three kind of biggest cultural factors in dealing with the Chinese is face, which we all know about. We know what face is because we say that losing face or protecting face. We'd say that in English. Um, so we understand that concept. Guanxi, which refers to relationships that you have with people or connections. And that's been a very overhyped word over the years that China has started to become a big thing is people have talked about that a lot. There's a lot of misunderstandings, but people kind of get that. The one that I had no idea about and absolutely caught me flat footed was hierarchy. Because in the English-speaking world, we tend to think mostly that we're all equal, right? That's, I'm an American, as you can hear from my accent, and you know that's what the Declaration of Independence says. All men are created equal, right? But when I get to China, they just laughed at that concept. No, of course not. Every single relationship has somebody on top and somebody on bottom. And those things tripped me up enormously, that there were things like that that I didn't understand. And so, so when, you, when you say people have uh, someone's on top, someone's on the bottom, you're talking like a management structure in a company. <clears throat> Is it just applied to that? It's not just a management structure. It's two friends meeting each other on the street. It is two strangers running into each other. It's two executives from different companies. Someone always has more power and someone always has less power in the Chinese view. In fact, Confucius uh, codified this. There is something in uh, Confucian thinking called the five relationships, right? And it's the ruler and the subject. It's the older brother and the younger brother. It's the, you know, the senior person and the junior person. There's five of these relationships, but all of them describe there's somebody who's the senior person who has to look out for the person who's lower. And there's a lower level person who has to give respect and follow the orders of the person who's above them. 
So if you're an Australian company looking to do business with the Chinese, you want to sell your product or your service or you're looking for investment capital, how are you then perceived if you're sort of uh, talking to them about doing business? You are in the junior position. You're in the lower position. And Uh. that drives Aussies crazy, especially Australians, because here in Australia, we have a very strong sense of equality among people. When I talk with the Americans, the Americans don't like it, but it's not as bothersome to them. They have other things. They don't like the relationship thing. They want things to be in a contract, right? As opposed to some long-standing relationship we have. That's what drives them nuts. But here in Australia, drives us crazy that we know those guys are looking down on us or we know that we have to interact with them in a certain way in order to get them to buy our stuff. And that is uh, difficult. Yeah, look, and, and the other thing I found myself dealing with Chinese, you know, you set a time for a meeting and suddenly you get a call, they're not coming for a few yeah. hours or till tomorrow or or you have a meeting. In Australia, we might schedule a meeting for an hour, but it's still going after three hours and then they want to go and have a meal with you. I mean, right. h- how do you kind of work through all of those different issues um, to try and do some business? Well, it's interesting because um, you, to, to some extent, you cannot hope to master a different culture in by just reading, you know, one extremely excellent, well-written book by C.T. Johnson. You can't do it that way. Or even by studying for a few years, it takes a long, long time to understand all of those cultural nuances. So the best you can do is grab onto a few things and put those, uh, you know, use those to understand the context. So when you talk about the fact that you set a meeting and people don't come to it or they come late, Well, of course they do, because that's a hierarchy thing. You requested the meeting, you're requesting something, therefore, by definition, you're the junior party. And that means that they can waste your time. They don't feel bad about that, they just believe that's part of the way things are. They don't think they're being rude, they don't think that they are imposing on you in any way. That's just part of their cultural dynamic. So the thing that I say in terms of how do you actually get deals done, hang on to a couple of big things, right? And don't get too worked up when things work out in a different way than what you expect. So if you are having a meeting, uh, there's different ways to set up a meeting, where to sit and so on. But, and, and they're things obviously that can be learned. But what happens if they then invite you out afterwards to go and have a meal? You know, is that a good sign? That, have th- are things going well? Or? Yes, that, that is a good sign, but it's not a definitive sign. So one of the things that I I think that everyone correctly, all the Westerners that I work with, they correctly assume that if they went to a meeting, as you describe, and then they get invited to dinner, that that's a good sign. And it is a good sign. But it doesn't replace years of getting to know them or some favor that you have done them or some other relationship building activity that you've undergone. It's a good sign, but it's not the end of the things that you need to do. And so when you talk about Guangxi, um, they would rather deal with someone that they already know, whether yes. or not they have the relevant skills or qualification, which That's comes right. back to your point about you know, showing your, 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 your credentials is not necessarily the way to win. So it's all about introductions and who you know and who's part of that circle. Tell us a little bit about how does someone, uh, I guess, become part of those circles? How do you tap into the market when you know, you're sitting here in Australia, you don't know anyone in China? Well, what's great about that is you're sitting here in Australia and 5% of the Australian population was either born in China or is the child of someone who was born in China. So every single person who's listening to this broadcast knows someone, knows a Chinese person. They have a Chinese friend or a colleague 
or someone with whom they can start building more of a relationship who will help them get into that circle here in Australia. I always encourage people, don't spend your time on a plane flying up to Shanghai, flying up to Beijing, flying up to Guangzhou, trying to set up and do all of those things when you've got plenty of opportunities here in Sydney, in Melbourne, in Perth, in Brizzy. You have lots of places that you can go, you have lots of people that you can connect with, and they will help get you into that Chinese world. Okay. So with your book, it is actually a tremendous resource because, you know, you really sort of set out what the issue is and how to deal with it in the, in the context that you talked about, Guangxi and face and so on. Um, there's some really funny stories in there. Um, and I, I guess what I find with this book is that you can kind of dip in and out of it. You know, um, as I was reading it, so many of it's um, rung true to some of the experiences that I've yeah. had. So I very much would recommend um, that anyone do get a copy of this uh, book, Riding the Dragon, Managing Your Chinese Investors, Partners and Employees, because it really does help navigate a number of those different relationships. And, you know, personally, I had a whole lot of aha moments where yeah. you realise, oh, is that what was happening? Yeah. Uh, well, so where, where can we get, get hold of the book or, you know, what, what would be your available, advice for people? Available at barnesandnoble.com and iBooks. <laughs> And so, iBooks. And iBooks. So you that's download right. and have it with you. Absolutely. At all times, as you should. So, um, no. so it's been great talking to you. And, and obviously, uh, with uh, working with David Chin at the Basis Point, who's a real resource, a bit like a Bloomberg for dealing uh, with China, all of that market intelligence. Um, so anyone looking at basispoint.com.au or, yep. you know, uh, check out some of the different events and things coming up. And uh, hopefully you'll be running some sessions on uh, this book uh, to help us. Uh, uh, our listeners uh, navigate uh, dealing with the Chinese. Lots of opportunities, but you really do need some support with that. So thanks, CT, for uh, talking us, to us today on the Oz China Business Channel. Thanks, Stacey. This is SME Radio, powered by Eagle Ways Radio and broadcasting from Vivo Cafe, Sydney. Want to reach more small business owners? We can help. Advertise with us and connect with more than 30,000 SMEs across Australia. smeradio.com.au